You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I'm going to share a few things. We're going to do some something together special (laughs) as if you can be any more special or do anything more special than the presence of God it's weighing on you you know let me say this that if you're if you're one that you think man I don't feel anything don't be discouraged by that that doesn't mean you did anything right or wrong most of the time I don't feel anything I've just learned to discern sometimes it's tangible but as you train as you train yourself it's it's always discernible you can always discern what God's doing sometimes you feel it sometimes you don't that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you it just means that's what's happening at the moment and it's not about how we feel anyways it's about what he's doing and sometimes you you feel tremendous things in your emotions and even in your body when God does things and other times you don't and it, it doesn't mean that he's not working. But then there's times when it, it feels real special. And it's kind of like that time that, you know, you're sitting around the dinner table and mom's prepared this great meal and everybody eats it. And then dad says, I have something I want to share in my heart with all of you. And I would like to believe anyways that a hush would fall over the, the audience there at the family dinner table. But Ideally, that's how it would work, and everybody listens, and and that's just what we've been experiencing this morning. And so, it's kind of like, when you're in a time like that in a a corporate worship setting like this, we listen, but when you're in your own time with the Lord, do the same thing. You stop and you listen, because you'll be able to discern when the presence of God rests upon you to show you something. Sometimes when it's in the most unlikely places, God will show up. Not that he ever left, but he'll reveal himself to you in a particular way that that you'd never thought or seen or experienced before. But it's learning to just pay attention and just continually giving the Lord your yes. What are you saying, God? What are you speaking to me? What are you revealing? Years ago, I had this revelation come to me that God's always speaking. And it's true, he is always speaking. And I had a, another brother in the Lord, and he said, that's not true, God's not always speaking. I don't always hear him. And I said, man, just because you ain't hearing him doesn't mean that he's not speaking. He's always communicating with us, bringing revelation, helping us understand, helping us see things from big things to little things. That's what he does, because he's a personal God, isn't he? When I, during worship, the Lord spoke this, just brought a really strong impression on my heart. And that is about the church. And the church does many things, but there's two things he really impressed upon my heart that the church does. One is that it holds back darkness. And two, it reveals the glory of God. Us gathering here and just being who we are, not only on a Sunday morning, but all of the time being who we are 
we do two incredible things. One is, is that we reveal the glory of God in the earth. If you want to know where the glory of God is in the earth, it's right here. It's right here. It's in, it's in you because the word says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we, we reveal the glory of God. And, and I, I think for a long time, people have maybe wanted greatness, but they wanted greatness without God. And what they ended up was with was form without power. I don't ever want to be at a place to where the glory of man rises above the glory of God because the glory of man fades away. There's coming a point when all of the things that we've done, even the good things that we've done, even things that God has told us to do, they only hold a measure of glory, but the glory of God lives throughout all eternity. There's something greater to live for. And while we're here on the earth, we have the opportunity, responsibility, but the privilege of revealing making known the glory, the substance, the essence of who God is. What a privilege. And the other thing we do is we hold back darkness. And this is something that all you have to do is be born again to be part of holding back the darkness. Because the church is the restrainer on the earth. When the, when the church is removed, there is going to come a season where great darkness covers the earth. We're not in that season right now. There is darkness on the earth, but you have to understand something that light always, always supersedes darkness. And we see this in governments. We see this in families. We see this in, in kingdoms that for many millennial, we've seen a back and forth power struggle of light and darkness. We have that in our own governmental system. And until Jesus returns, the end of the time comes and he comes for a second coming and, and defeats all the enemies of the Lord and sets up his thousand year millennial reign. Until that time, we're going to have the back and forth between light and darkness. But know this, light always wins. Though it gets dark, though trouble comes, light will always win. Because we have placed on the inside of us the spirit of the living God. And it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, 13, it says that, that he was placed and given as a seal. And we have this, this, this signet ring of the king stamped on us that after he placed the Holy Spirit in us, he delivered us into the world to deliver the world from the system that it's living in. But then the next verse goes on to say that he is a guarantee of our inheritance. It doesn't matter what happens between now and the end of our days because we belong to him. If you haven't been born again, you don't belong to him. If you have received Christ, you do belong to him. Your, your eternity is sealed because of your faith in what he did. But once you put faith in it, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you and the brightness and the shining of the glory of God now resides on the inside of you. And here's what the Lord wants me to, to share with you just for a few moments. That was the introduction, by the way. Thank you, Pastor Kent, for that great introduction. So 
We're going to have just a little bit of lightage in here, and I want to share a few things. We're going to do something really special in here today. And uh, the Lord spoke to me the, a few weeks ago about just um, about partaking of communion, but doing it in a very unique and particular way. And so I'll give instructions here in a little bit about how that's going to look. When I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to share concerning this? Because I really think that the essence of communion has really been lost in culture. And when you look at the, the basis of what communion was, is that they were there around the dinner table with Jesus. And he was eating in the midst of those who were getting ready to deny him. They all were going to struggle with their faith. And one ultimately ended up betraying, betraying him. And he, after they got done eating, and that was when he took the bread and the cup and he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. The very next thing that he did is that he girded his waist and he got down and he washed their feet. And actually the towel that he used for a priest would have been a, a garment that signified righteousness and what he was doing was that he was declaring them, just like what Ron was saying, declaring them to be righteous. Right with him, seated in heavenly places in Christ. They didn't know what they had, but he still treated them accordingly. And he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about taking it in an in a worthy manner and not taking it in an unworthy manner. And if, if you're like me, I, I grew up hearing some things in some different church circles about, you know, if we're going to take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, you need to sit and examine all of your, yourself and make sure you don't have any unconfessed sin. I can tell you if that's how you heard about taking it in a worthy or not in an unworthy manner, you heard wrong. The way that you take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner is to examine the lamb that was slain and the fact that he is more than enough. Because see, when we examine ourselves, we find the insufficiency. When we examine him, we find all of the sufficiency to cover any and everything. Whenever the, the people would bring lambs, to the priests and they would sacrifice lambs. Do you know that the priests never examined the people? What they did was they examined the lamb. And they looked to see if the lamb was pure enough and right enough to be a sacrifice. And then what they would do is that they would make a motion and they would, it was symbolic, but they would transfer as the priest, they would transfer all of the sin of the people over onto that lamb and they would put their hands on the lamb and they would transfer everything over because they felt that that lamb was worthy enough, was pure enough to, to receive the sin. Did you know that Jesus was the Lamb of God? He was the high priest and he was the Lamb. 
And he was considered, in fact, not just considered, he was 100% pure and spotless. And all of the weight of the sin of the world was transferred over on to him. And it produced for us an eternal inheritance that never runs out, it never burns out, it never wears out. It's just as effective now as it ever has been. And do you know what that is for us? That is our portion. That's the portion that God has given us, and it's more than enough. It's more than enough. What's your problem? Don't say it out loud, please. Ask yourself. You don't even have to ask. You already know what your current problem is. Whether it's a sin, or it's a sickness, or it's a relationship struggle, or it's financial brokenness, anything that wasn't or isn't whole, Jesus came and was more than enough to restore everything 100% back to where it belonged, how God originally designed it to be. Because what we live in now is not just a world full of sin, but we live in a world full of the effects of, this, of sin. And Jesus didn't just come and deal and forgive sin, but he also remitted our sins. And to remit someone's sins means that you deal with the effects of what that sin caused. Let me tell you something. Jesus is your portion. Let me show you some verses here that will really help. And, and as I was just spending time with the Lord and he was making this come alive in me, he, he brought me to this saying, these two sayings. And it's, he is all we need versus he is what we need. And I'm like, Lord, what are you telling me right now? And when we say he is all we need, oftentimes it's, it's honoring him and considering him worthy. Like, God, you are all that I need. I don't need anything else. And that's a good place to be at. But you know, when we say that he is what we need, we're not only saying that he is worthy, but he's also enough. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, he's what you need. If you have a financial problem, you don't need more money. You just need Jesus. If you need healing in your body, you just need Jesus. You just need him. Whatever the situation is, it's covered. All you need is him. So this verse here, and I'm going to pull a few here and read through them and we're going to take, take communion together. This is in Lamentations 3 and 24. It says the Lord, it's not what he has to offer, but it says the Lord is my portion. Says my soul, therefore I hope in him. You want to cause faith to work, you need hope. You want your hope to come to the surface, allow yourself to tell yourself that the Lord is my portion. He is enough. He's enough. The thing you've been striving for, you don't need that. He's enough. The accolades you've been trying to get, you don't need that. He's enough. The identity you've been searching for in all of the wrong places, you don't need that. He's enough. He's your portion. And the idea of a portion is this. It's what's allotted that is needed to fill the need. 
It's what's allotted that's needed to fill the need. So it's kind of like when you have a sweet tooth and you go and you look at the piece of German chocolate goodness and you're like, should I take a piece this big? You're like, nope, my sweet tooth is bigger. I'm going to cut this much and wash it down with a nice glass of cold skim milk. All you whole people, whatever, you know. (laughs) So then you have enough. It's kind of like that, except really it's, (laughs) you really, you get the whole cake. And every time you take a slice out, it automatically refills and it never goes bad. I call it German chocolate Jesus. Amazing. So it's he, he's our portion. He's he's what we he's what we need. For all you healthy people, he's all the fruits and vegetables that you need. Amen. So but what he has given us in himself is more than enough for everything that we need in this life. He is enough. And we know this intellectually, but we find out whether we believe it when the rubber meets the road. And when we're paying attention in life, we can find ourselves longing for things that he never designed for us to long for. I went through a a time where I was lusting after a truck. It's a term I use. And I called Liz one day. I'm like, I have a lust problem. Every time I drive by and I see those F-250s, I'm just like, oh. And I was kind of joking, but you know, there was a time period when I put a fair amount of thought into a truck. Is anything wrong with a truck? No, trucks are awesome. I will have the sweetest truck when I get to heaven. I don't get it before then, I'll have one there, guaranteed. But what is the truck compared to Jesus? If you had all the trucks and all the cars and all the stuff that you could ever want, would it ever really satisfy you? And the answer is no, it wouldn't satisfy you. It would bring you a temporary satisfaction, but not something that's an eternal weight of joy and glory into your life. Jesus is the only thing. He's the only thing that we really need. Because if you have Jesus, you'll have the vehicle you need. If you have Jesus, you'll have a roof over your head. If you have Jesus, you'll have food in your belly. All of your needs will be met. And the more you press into him, the more you will find that he is our shepherd and we shall not want. I've come to a place in my life where I don't even ask the Lord to meet my needs. Why would I do that when it says that he will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? I'm not saying I don't go to the Lord and say, Lord, what are we supposed to do here? But I don't live in this place of saying, how am I going to have my next meal? Lord, how am I going to have this, that, or the other? How am I going to be healed? How, whatever the situation is, he 
fulfills all in all because he, as a person, and having a relationship with him, fills and fixes every single thing that's broken, messed up, every sin, every issue, every wrong thinking, every sickness, every disease, every everything, Jesus covers it all. He, he, his person is our portion. It's not what he can give us, but it's him, him, he himself. So look at this verse here. It says in Psalm 15, excuse me, 16, 5 through 6, it says, Oh Lord, you are the portion. You are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me and put, and this is talking about inheritance, and it's comparing natural inheritance to him. And it says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. The psalmist was saying, you are my inheritance and what has fallen to me, the lot, the portion that has fallen to me. It's not the dry, desolate place. It's the lush place. It's Goshen. It's the place with light. It's the place with life. It's the place that has water going, growing, running through it and fruit growing in it and German chocolate Jesus growing in it. I don't know how, but that's how good God is. Please don't go make me German chocolate cake, okay? I try to limit it to like one a year or a month, whatever. Um, no. But in looking at this, it's like the good inheritance comes from the Lord. But not just from him, it is him. Let me read a couple more verses to you. And here's the thing, and here's where this fits into communion. And we're going to, just in a moment, we're going to take communion together. And again, we're going to do it in a very unique way. Is that when you look at him, him being the portion of what we need. At the Last Supper, he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And when he offered it, he said, take it, this is my blood that was shed for you, and this is my body that was broken. The blood covers, and in fact, it stains. It's a good stain. It leaves a lasting mark on us that we have been washed in the blood. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. But you know, his body was broken for our healing. Physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing, relational healing. The very nature of communion. We're going to use a cup and a cracker or whatever we've got. We're going to use that. But that's just a, a representation. It's really just a picture of what real true communion really truly is. Because back in the day, they, they would sit and they would have a meal together. And their fellowship, their conversation was around who Jesus is and the fact that what he did and what he provided was more than enough for them. You know how they, they found out that Jesus was really, he was more than enough to satisfy them and to be the essence of life? Because those same people that sat around the dinner table, every one of them with the exception of Judas, but then there were many more even after the 11 who willingly went and testified of what Jesus did even to the point of death. We know some of their stories through uh, historical writings. You know, Peter was... They were going to hang him on a cross. He said, I'm not worthy 
to die in the same manner as my Lord hang me upside down. They hung him upside down on a cross and, and tortured him that way. Uh, it's been said that Thomas was speared to death in, in India. I didn't even know they made it that far until I read that, that he had gone all the way to India and he was speared to death by some, some native people. And they had many of them that they, uh, they were beheaded. And I like, uh, there's one other exception, the Apostle John. They tried to boil him and he just wouldn't die. So the only thing they could do was send him to an island <laughs> where he got the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if the devil can't kill you, God will give you revelation. And you know why John had revelation? Got that revelation is because he had the revelation that he was loved by God and that Jesus was his portion. Jesus was enough for him. He didn't have to have anything else. He himself was enough because he wrote and he said that John was the one whom Jesus loved. And what he wasn't saying was Jesus, because John wrote, John is the one whom Jesus loves. I see their extreme arrogance or a level of humility we haven't seen in a really long time. And I say it's the latter. And what John was saying was that Jesus loves me. He's the one that Jesus loved. And I believe that that love kept him from being burnt, boiled to death in the water, the oil, or whatever they put him in. I really genuinely believe that. John had a revelation about the love of God that I think surpassed probably the other 11. And then you have the Apostle Paul come on the scene. Read his writings. That man had a revelation and he was taken up into the third heaven. He said he saw things that were not lawful to utter in natural speech. And every time that they tried to kill him, eventually they did succeed, but for years they tried to kill him even left him for dead and and god would raise him up (laughs) when jesus is enough it will keep you he will he will keep you and so what happened and 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 i and i i seen this and this is at the last supper and and i want to bring this to the surface because i believe that the lord is going to do tremendous healing if you lose sometimes and and i think it would be okay to call communion a ritual. I think that that's okay to call it that, maybe for lack of a better term. But when you don't know the meaning of the ritual, the ritual becomes meaningless. So if we lose out on the essence of why it was given, why he gave it to us, then all we are is throwing down some, doing is throwing down some grape juice in a cracker. But there's more to it that he has for us. And look here in Mark chapter 14. Let me read a couple more passages and then we'll go forward from there and it says in mark 14 and 22 it says and as they were eating jesus took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them take eat and said take eat this is my body then he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank from it and he said to them this is my blood of the new covenant watch this look at what it says here which is shed for many shed for many the very nature of what Jesus did was about bringing people together underneath of his name as a matter of fact there was there was great correction that Paul brought to the Corinthian church because 
again, back in the day, they'd have communion. It was a meal that they would have together and it was, it was surrounded around who Jesus was. And they had, they had abused it and they had misused it and they were preferring one another and they would have people come in that didn't have anything. And then they would have those that had much to offer and they would all eat food because you got to remember, they didn't come in with a, with a, with a cup and a cracker. <laughs> They'd come in and have a meal together, and they started abusing it. And how did they abuse it? Because the ones with means would come in and eat, and they would leave the people that didn't have anything out, and they wouldn't get their bellies full. And the very nature of what they were doing was full of self, which was a defiance and a slap in the face to the fact that the Lord was hung on the cross so that everybody, so that many people would receive it. And so then he came in and corrected them. And he said this, and this is found over in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. It says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. I heard that all my life. And, I'm, and finally, I'm like, what, what does that even mean? And what he means is, I got this from the Lord and now I'm giving it to you. Really simple. He says that the Lord Jesus, this is what the Lord told him, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. The same night he was betrayed took bread. The same night he was betrayed took bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you, Peter, the one who's going to deny me. It was broken for you, Judas, the one who will ultimately betray me and bring me to my death. This is for all of you who will waver in your faith even at my resurrection. You'll wonder if it's really true. All of this is being broken for you. You know what he was saying? I'm enough. I am enough. For every form of sin, sickness, disease, calamity, lack, and even broken relationships, I am enough. The very essence of the shed blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus says that I am enough. So then he goes on and he said, that on the night which he was betrayed, he took bread and he had given thanks, he broke it and said... And then he repeats Jesus' word, take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup, of, cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What did the death of Jesus produce? It produced atonement for everything. This is an everything message. We got stuff that needs to be fixed. Jesus is the portion for everything. He said, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I look at that and I think, I used to read that and go, I wish it said resurrection. That would be easier for me to comprehend. Because I like preaching the empty tomb. But it says it proclaims the Lord's death till he comes. What does that mean? It means the one that was betrayed, the, one, the very closest people that he had around him came against him or denied him or didn't understand him or all of the above. And he still 
broke his body. He died and shed his blood for them. And if you want to know the essence of an end-time church that is in revival, it's ones that know their rightful place in the kingdom, which isn't other people here and them up here, and it's not you down here and other people up here. It's here. We all had to be bought with a price. We all had to be covered in the blood of Jesus, and every one of us were broken and needed healing that his body came to produce. And so here's what I say to you, church. When you partake, and this is what we're going to do, and we have communion available always during worship in this church. It's always available. We just we don't always do this, but we always make it available. We're going to do something special. And, and today, you're going to go, and I'm going to give you instructions on how to do it so it, it flows in the room right. But you're not going to go and just take one portion. You're going to take two portions. Because the person that you're at odds with right now, you need to bring enough for them. Because they need covered in the blood of Jesus just as much as you do. The person that you know, and if you're at odds with them, it's possible that they have a brokenness. And you're going to bring enough for them so that their brokenness can be healed. You see, Jesus didn't just give enough for you. He gave enough for you to give to other people. And this is why we have to get used to partaking of it ourselves, saying thank you, Jesus, and receiving the nature of what the Lord's Supper brought, which was his love. It was his love for humanity. And when you learn how to receive it for yourself, you can freely give it out to other people. The one who has been forgiven much loves much. It becomes easy to love other people when you've been loved by God. Honestly, I find it really hard to have a grudge against people. And I've had people give me really, 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 really good reasons to hold a grudge. And I just have a hard time doing it. Because every time I partake, every time I partake, I do it in remembrance of him. That I had not arrived and that's why I needed his shed blood in his broken body. And Lord, the same ones that did me those dirty, rotten scoundrels, you loved them too, and there's enough for them. And if you could find a church that genuinely believes and practices that, because it's not enough to take communion and say, oh yeah, this is for the people, and I forgive them. You have to walk it out, but in taking it, you remember what he did. He had every reason to kill all of them except for love. Love was the thing that kept him from taking the sword and destroying everybody. Love kept him. When love becomes alive in your heart, it will keep you from having a critical spirit. It will keep you from having unforgiveness. It will keep you from having bitterness. It will cause you to be in unity with people because you will start to value them as much as you realize God values you. Let me say it again. You'll start to value them as much as you realize how much God values you. As a matter of fact, if you go on and read in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, for this reason, there are many sick and feeble among you because you take it in an unworthy manner. In context, what's he saying? He's saying there are people that you're at odds with, that you're treating poorly and you're saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, for all my blessings, and you paid the price for me. But then you treat your neighbor like garbage. 
And you have now taken judgment upon yourself. You are drinking and eating judgment upon yourself. To sit in a church service, and I'm not coming down on anybody, I'm just saying this is the reality and the weight of, and the spirit of what this is. To ever sit in a church service and go, thank you, Jesus, for saving me and cleansing me, and then go right back out the door and treat people wrong or hold aught against your brother or your sister or some issue, you're actually drinking and eating judgment upon yourself when you do it. That's New Testament. You can go and read it, 1 Corinthians 11. You can see it for yourself. But it's so freeing when you come to this place where you say, thank you, Jesus, that you covered me. And all the ones that have done me wrong, not only do they need covered, they also need healing. Anybody bearing witness to this in here? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me. This isn't just about like, oh, you know, my spouse and I, we had a, we had a little tiff. It, it, it could include that, but this is deeper. There are people in this room, that those of you that are watching online, the Lord showed me this. There's been people that have been victims of rape, incest, physical abuse, childhood trauma, just to name a few things. And you've never been able to let that go. But here's the thing, you have to let it go. And the way that you let it go is you remember that their brokenness is what broke you. Not only do they need healing, but they also need forgiveness. And when you when you forgive other people, it sets you free. It, 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 it's not about whether they change or not. It's about you changing. When you can drink the cup for yourself and then you can offer it to them, it sets you free even if they don't want to drink it. Because the truth is, is that you and I were just as unworthy even in our own sin as the worst people in the world. You know that you and I before Christ, we were just as unworthy as Hitler. It's not about how bad you are. It's about the acceptance of Christ. I'm not saying that Hitler, that you're as bad as Hitler, but in terms of, in terms of being right with God and needing to be covered by the blood of Jesus, we're all the same. All humans are in the same condition. And as we do this, there's going to be freedom come upon your life, your heart. Whatever you need, take it for yourself, but then take it for other people. You say, what do I need to take this for? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need right now? Anything that's out of order in your body, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, anything. Jesus is enough to cover all of it. Take it for that and also take it for others. If God is changing your life, through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.